Our God is an everlasting God, a faithful God. The Bible calls him the very present help in times of need. And we bless him this day for being so faithful to us and being the gracious God that he is. Amen. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. Genesis 22. Genesis. Twenty-two, verse one. Genesis twenty-two, and verse number one. It says, "And it came to pass after those things that God did tempt, tempt, tempt. God did tempt. God did tempt." God can tempt to. I'll tell you the difference between being tempted and being tried. Being tempted. God actually, he does more of trying than tempting. But he can tempt you as well. Amen? The Bible only tells us that it says, it says when a man is tempted, let him not say he's tempted of God. Because God does not tempt you with evil. Alright? I will explain that to you. God tempts. God tries. God tests. The word test, try, and tempt are used interchangeably in the Bible. Which means the word tempt, try, test can be the same thing. It's just a grammatical uh, expression that you can hear. The scripture can use the word tempt or try or test. But the reason the Bible specifically used the word tempt here is because actually it was a temptation to Abraham. It was a very serious temptation. This was not God trying him, but this was God tempting him. I'm telling you. All right, it came to pass after this thing that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. Now, let me show you why, it, why the Bible used the word tempt. All right? I'll show you now. It says, and God said unto Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. Go to the next verse. See the temptation now. Can I show you the temptation? It says, and he said, and he said, Take now thine son. Thine only son. Temptation. So, the word, God could have just said, take your son. So, for God to use the word, your only. He says, I'm reminding you, this is the only one you have, oh, but I want him. In case you think there's another one left, uh -uh, I'm reminding you that this one it's your only son. And another reason God used the word thine only son is because he was saying to Abraham, you will never have another son because you're already old. 
the womb of Sarah is already dead. So this one that I gave to you that you have is the last son, biological son you have. So that was why God used the word only. He said, take now your son. Your only son. Now, this scripture or this thing is the same uh, scripture thing that made God give his only son as well. Because the Bible says, for God so loved the word that he did what? He gave his only. Alright? Alright. So, he said, thine only son, Isaac. That's number one. The second one, whom thou lovest. So, God was... <laughs> see, God did not just come and say, no, uh, you see that your son, just give me your son. You know, just, just give me your son. I want your son. God was painting the picture to him. Reminding him how much he loves his son. Reminding him how Isaac was his only son. And reminding him that that was the only son he was going to have. He was telling him in case this one dies, there's no other one coming. But I need him. So it was, it was, you know, if God had come to him and said, Abraham, give me one of your sons. It could have been different. If God had said, give me, Abraham would have said, okay, maybe God is going to give me another son. That's why he's saying one of your sons. But for God to specifically and emphatically say to him, your only son, Isaac. And remember, the meaning of Isaac is laughter. In other words, your source of laughter. Your source of joy. Give me your reason for smiling. Give me your reason for joy. I need him. Okay. Now, if we don't use the word Isaac there, God was saying to Abraham, give me your laughter. Let's remove the word Isaac and let's use the meaning of Isaac. God said to him, give me your only laughter. Your only source of joy. Your only source of happiness. Is that not temptation? It's temptation now. That's why the Bible used the word tempt. God does not really tempt. But this one is temptation. God was tempting Abraham. In other words, God was not just doing it in such a way that Abraham would, he was not doing it, you know, for Abraham to just feel, okay, no, who is Isaac? Isaac is just nothing, you know. God was showing Abraham how important Isaac was. And yet, he was telling him, I need that joy. You see, God can walk into your garage and say, I need your best car. God can walk into, he can walk into your life and say, I need the best. And in case, before you carry the best, he said, this is your only best that I want. I need your only best. Temptation. And the Bible says, whom thou lovest and get thee into the land of Moria and offer him there for a bond. Come on now. God did not say just kill him. God said, burn him. If God has said a breaking sacrifice, you break it, you can repair. 
if God has said a cutting sacrifice, you can cut it and still put it together. But burnt sacrifice, which means God is saying, I want him and I don't want you to have him back. For a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Go to verse 3. Verse 3. Verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in hey, Abraham. No wonder God calls him the friend of God. The Bible said he walked, he did not hesitate. God spoke to him at night. He couldn't wait for day to break. Early in the morning, the Bible said, and saddled his axe and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and cleft the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. God bless his word. Amen. The degree of what God requires from you is predicated on the degree of how much he wants to bless you. The depth of what God or the height of what God is asking from you is dependent on the height God wants to take you. If God is asking you for one rand all the time, it means that God does not intend to take you very high. If God is always asking you for what is easy for you to do, it means that God does not have an intention to take you very high. If the temptations and the trials and the tests God allows you to go through is small. It means that the intention of God, why are you touching that sound? It means that the intention of God is not to take you very high. But show me a man or a woman that everything God wants from her is the best. Everything God wants from him is the highest. Everything God wants from me is the most beautiful. Then I have seen a woman and a man that God has desired to make big and great. I have seen a woman that God has desired to elevate beyond description. If God is always asking you for things that are convenient, things that are easy, things that are normal, things that are possible, things you can do, it means that God does not plan. He has no plan to make you big than other people. But when God makes a demand that seems impossible, when he makes a demand that is difficult, when he asks you to give him something, Something that is bigger than what you can give, then it means that God has a big plan for your life. Sometimes you don't have to ask God, What do you have in store for me? Look for what God is demanding from you. Look at what God is demanding from you. What God is demanding from you is a direct picture of what God will give to you. 
If God is asking you for the best, it means God intends to give you the best. If God is asking you for the big, it means he intends to give you the big. If God is asking you for the most beautiful, it means God is, in, God is planning to give you the most beautiful. Can I get a man here? Can I get a man here? So, when God, watch me, God intended to make Abraham the father of many children. He wanted to make Abraham the father of all nations. And such people, you don't ask them for money. If God, wants to, if God wants to make you father of human beings, he will ask you to sacrifice your own human being. God did not have to ask him for money. He did not have to ask him for cow because he was not intending to make him the father of cows. He was intending to make him the father of people. So he said to him, before I can give you people, you have to sacrifice your own person. Before I can make you the father of all nations, I want you to kill the one you already have. So, for God to do that, the first thing God had to do, he called Abraham and he began to tempt him. God tempted Abraham, showed him, he told him, listen, Abraham, you are very old, though. You are very old and this is your only son. You will never have another one from Sarah. You, you are already old and Sarah is old. And this one I gave it to you after 25 years. Even if I want to give you another one, it might take you another 25 years. Even if I want to honor you again, it might take you another 20 years. So uh, what I'm telling you is your only beloved. You your only begotten son. That is the son I want you to give me. So God had to paint the picture to Abraham first in order to know if Abraham truly love him. I know it is easy to give to God what you don't like. It is easy to give, easy to, give to God what has not caught your heart. It is easy to give to God what is not precious to you. But when something is very precious, Something is intertwined with your heart and God desires it from you. It is hard to give it to him. But anytime God has started asking you something that he has given to you, what took you years to get, what took you time to get, what took you energy to get, if God is asking it from you, it means there is something bigger he has for you. So, he said to Abraham, I need your only son. Your only son, Isaac. Now, you might ask me a question. You say, ah, but prophet, I thought Abraham had one son first before, before Isaac. Amen? Are you with me? You know, you know Abraham had a son before Isaac, ne? He had a son with a lady called Hagar. But can I tell you something? That was not Abraham's son. Good question. 
That was not the son of Abraham. That was the son of Abram. That was the son of Abram. So when God called him Abraham, he had the, the right to say that is your only son. The son you had, Ishmael, was when you were Abram. But now you are Abraham. I am about to cut a covenant with you. So this one is your only son. Ishmael, Ishmael. Ishmael smells. So God said, Abraham, Ishmael is not your son. You got Ishmael out of compulsion. You got Ishmael out of deception. You got Ishmael out of desperacy. I was not the one that gave you Ishmael. You gave birth to Ishmael when you were Abraham. But now you are called Abraham, the father of all nations. I gave you a son called Isaac. That is your laughter but I need that son back do you know it's so difficult for people to give back to God what God gave to them give a child biscuit the child is eating the biscuit ask the child to give you back the biscuit the child will refuse so anybody who refuses to give back to God what God gives him is still a baby. He's still a child. He's still in the kindergarten level. If you refuse to give to God what God gave you in the first place, it shows your level of maturity. Because a person who understands God, who is mature, knows that God gave this for me, to me. And if he wants it, I can give it back to him because he can give me back another one. So the Lord said to him, I need your son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, your only son. Four things I discovered from that. Number one, God called him Abraham, the father of many nations. The name alone is a conviction to Abraham that even if I lose this child, God will still make me a father. You didn't hear what I've just said right now. That's the first thing I realized. I'm talking about now why would Abraham obey God to go kill his only son? The first thing Abraham has to look at, Abraham has to look, Abraham has to look at his name. Your name is your prophecy. Your name is your future. Your name determines what shall become of you. So if God called him Abraham, the father of princes, it means that no matter what I lose, God already called me the father of multitude. So Abraham focused on his name. He said this one is a son. But God says he will give me sons. He said he will make me father of many. So if I kill this one now, God will still make me a father of many. That's the first one. The second thing that I could see about Abraham. Abraham knew that God is able to raise his son again. He said, even if I kill this boy, God can raise him again. Even if I give God my best, God can give it back to me again. Even if I close my bank account just to serve God, God can give it back to 
to me. Even if I give God my best car, I give God my best house, God can give it back again. For the Bible says in Hebrews that Abraham knew that God was able to raise his son back again. That was why he believed he was able to obey God. Number three. Abraham knew that if God could give him a son after menopause, if God could give him a son after menopause, after the deadness of the womb of Sarah, and after the deadness of the body of Abraham, if God could give him a son, he knew that God can do it again. Thank God, menopause is not menostop. Thank God, menopause is not meno over. Thank God menopause is not menor conclusion. It is only a stop. And for every stop there is a start button. When you, the devil put you on a menopause, he pauses you. But God comes and he presses the start button and you continue again. Let me prophesy to everybody that the devil has put on a pause now that my God is able to restart something in your life. Your business is on hold. Your life is on hold. Your destiny is on hold. But I came to tell you that God is about to press the start button and something is about to begin in your life again. Lift up your hand and shout, Yes! So, Abraham knew that God, how many did I mention? How many? Three. Let me give you the last one. Abraham knew. That God was faithful from the beginning. The God who supplied all his needs. When he left his father's house with nothing, he knew that that same God was able to provide. In fact, while they were going, the boy said, Father, we have the wood. We have the fire. Where is the lamb for sacrifice? And Abraham said, the Lord will provide. I don't know who I'm talking to. The Lord will provide. When your son asks you how we're going to pay our bills, tell him the Lord will provide. When your wife tells you, oh, we are dying, what do we do? Tell the wife the Lord will provide. When your husband looks you in the eye and says, we are done. God, the husband, God will provide. When people ask you, how are you going to come out of this? Tell them the Lord will provide. Thank God for a man like Abraham, who though he didn't know what was going to happen, but he knew that God was able to provide. He provided for him when he left his father's house. He provided for him when he knew nobody. He knew that the same God who did it then can do it now. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have enough faith in God to believe that God is able to do it again and again, you will always have repeated miracles. God will always do new things in your life. It doesn't matter how bad things are now. God is able to do a blessing for you. Then the Lord said to him, Abraham, that's the fourth one. Abraham, carry that boy that I gave you. 
Can I tell you five, three reasons why God needed that son? Number one, Isaac became Abraham's God. Everything about Isaac, everything about Abraham was Isaac this, Isaac that, Isaac this, Isaac that, Isaac that. God was no longer having a free flow of relationship with Abraham. And God said, I am a jealous God. My glory will I not share with any man, nor my praise with any graven image. Abraham, I gave you a son, not for that son to take my place in your life. I gave you a job, not that job to take a place in my life, your place in my life. I gave you money, not that money to take my place in your life. Abraham, Isaac is becoming your God. I need him dead. When God blesses you and what you have becomes a God over you. You used to be very available for God. But since God blessed you, you became too scarce for God. And God is saying, I need that thing back. You have become too busy. Too busy for God that God does not have the time with you anymore. And God being a jealous God, he will remove that thing from your hands because he wants you back. Let me tell you, the way to sustain a blessing is not just about praying and fasting. It's by being available for God continuously continually being, I'm telling you, it's not about praying to say, I cover my job, I cover my money, I cover my car, I cover my property with a blood. No! Be still, uh, remain available when God has blessed you. The Bible says, when you have eaten and are full, thou shall remember the Lord your God. If you are able to remember God, you are able to remain available no matter what God has given to you. That will preserve what God has given to you. You know, you used to be, you never had a job. So you were very available. Now God gave you a job. I'm tired. I'm tired. I can't, I can't do it for God. I can't. You have excuses. God said, hey, okay. Because, hey, is that so? Now you are too busy for me. Let me show you that I gave it to you and I can take it back. Job says the Lord give it and the Lord take it. What he gives to you, he can still collect it. If you are not available, if that thing becomes an idol to you, that it has taken the attention of God, God can take it back. The Bible says, what shall he profit the man if he gains the whole world and do what? So that's the first thing. Abraham, Isaac was becoming a God. Listen to me. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, ladies and gentlemen. For every one of you here, if you want what God, you want what God has given to you to grow. You want what God has given to you to multiply. You want what God has given to you to keep yielding fruit. Make sure you make yourself continuously available before God. You must always make yourself available. It must never be a God over you. No matter what you are doing, if God says, I want you 
your attention. Every other thing must be on hold. And God must come number one. If God says, I need your time. I gave it to you and I need you now. Make sure everything is on standstill. Until God has taken his place. Came too much. He was eh, everything Abraham do. Isaac, Isaac. He was even sleeping from his dream. He was shouting, Isaac, Isaac. Abraham, Abraham loved Isaac so much that everything about his mind was Isaac, 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 Isaac. And God said, Number one, give me back the boy. Number two reason why God wanted Isaac back from Abraham was because God wanted him. God wanted to see how much, how much he can sacrifice. Do you know that it is easier to give God money than to give him your life? I mean, give God your life. You are ready to die for the sake of Jesus. You can give anything you have for your life. Is that true or not? Yeah, if I'm robber, come and say your money and your life. Do you say take my life and leave my money? Uh -huh. You can give your life and keep your, you can give your money and keep your life. So God said to Abraham, I want your, God wanted to see how much he could give to the Lord. God wanted to use that to determine what he could give to Abraham. Or what he should give to Abraham. If God asks you for something big. It's because he wants to determine what he can give to you. That's number two. Number three. God was making you telling Abraham to make room. Abraham make room for what I am about to give you. He was telling him to do what? Make room. For what I am about to give you. There is something I am about to give you. But you have to make room for it. Give me Isaac. Number four. God was telling him to give him Isaac. Because he wanted his attention. I repeat it. He wanted Abraham's attention. Number five. God wanted Abraham to give him Isaac. Because he wanted to take the smile. Oh God, you're wicked. How come you're taking my smile now? God said, this smile is too much now. It's distracting you. Let me take it back from you. You know, I'm telling you, God, if your, if your joy, if your happiness is at the detriment of your salvation, God can decide to cut that joy, cut that happiness off so that your salvation can remain. Sometimes, let me tell you, merriment and enjoyment is not life. The Bible said there's more to life than food than your raiment. There is more that God can give to you than the things that just get you excited temporarily. God wants to give you something more. Isaac has to leave Abraham's house just to stop the laughter of Abraham because God wanted to do more with the life of Abraham. Then the four things again that I realized that Abraham did. Four things, four things, four things. Number one, Abraham did not consult with his wife. Did you hear me? Did you hear what I'm talking about? There are some, listen, there are, there are times, there are things you have to consult with your wife or your husband to do. 
Not everything. I'm very sorry. Hey, prophet, don't break our family. No, I'm not breaking your family. But I'm telling you, there are things God can instruct you to do. And you know that your husband or your wife will be too carnal not to understand it. There are things, let me tell you, God comes first, your family comes second. This is crazy. This is what Christianity, God comes first. Whatever Abraham did not discuss with his wife, he said, if I tell Sarah, Sarah will cut my head off. If I tell Sarah, Sarah will never allow me carry my son to hand over to the Lord. So he did not disclose it with the wife. Abraham went, went, went secretly. Do you know that Abraham, if Abraham wanted to play God, he knew the wife would never agree. He would have just told the wife. So God said, I don't know what you think about it, honey, but God said, I'm going, should I go or should I not go? So that if the wife said no, Abraham said, God, my wife refused. But he was too rugged and dogged. He was still committed and too faithful to God that he did not tell the wife. Early in the morning, while Sarah was still asleep, Abraham carried the boy. They left their house without keeping a note to tell Sarah where they were going. Sarah only woke up in the morning to realize that Abraham as Isaac has gone out. He thought they went jogging, not knowing that the man was going to cut off the head of his son. When they got there, that was, that's the first thing. The first thing that I saw, Abraham did not tell the wife about it because he never wanted anything to stop it. Number two, Abraham did not even know because the Bible said, God says to the mountain that I will show you, he did not even know. He just believed God to lead him to where to go sacrifice his son. He was being led by the Lord. He allowed God to lead him. The number three thing that I see there is that Abraham depended on God so much that he did not blink an eye. The Bible said God spoke to him in the night and in the morning Abraham was on his way. Abraham did not want anything to distract him because he said if the Lord gave this boy to me, I don't care returning the boy back to God. Number four, Abraham did not discuss with even the boys, the servants that were with him. He did not discuss with even the servants that were with him what he was going to do. The Bible said, let not your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Because your left hand will discourage your right hand. There are some things God wants you to do. You don't have to discuss with too much intelligent people. There are people who are too intelligent on God. They are too brilliant and educated on God. They can analyze and criticize and... Uh, summarize God. They know everything about God. Abraham did not disclose it to them. That's the fourth one. There are four things as well that I saw that was in Isaac that God wanted. The first thing was Abra Isaac was the source of joy to Abraham because he was called Isaac. Number two, Isaac was the strength of Abraham. Somebody say strength. Come on, say now, say strength. Say it again, say strength. Say it again, say strength. Now, how do I know, or how did I know that Abraham is the strength, or Isaac is the strength of Abraham? God 
read Genesis, in Genesis chapter I think 49 or 50, when Isaac was dedicating or was deciding the destiny of his sons, in verse 1, he said to Reuben, he said, Reuben, you are the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, but unstable as the water you shall be. You are the beginning of my strength. Your son is your strength. Your daughter is your strength. Am I talking to somebody here? So Isaac was the strength of Abraham. So when God said to Abraham, give me Isaac, God was saying, give me your strength. Number two, Abraham, Isaac was the money. He was the investment. Oh, it's like you're too quiet on me today. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. Isaac was the investment of who? Of Abraham. Abraham had invested time, energy, resources, money, everything to make Isaac become what Isaac became. Now God is saying, give me back. So Abra Isaac was Abraham's investment. So much investment. Preach with me. Say investment. Isaac was Abraham's investment. Number three, he was Abraham's blood. Isaac was Abraham's blood. So these are the things that God, when God said your son, God was not only asking of human beings. God was asking of all these things, all these things compressed into one. He was his blood. Number four, Abraham, Isaac was Abraham's soft spot. Did you hear that? Isaac was what? Abraham's first. Number six, Isaac was Abraham's attention. Everything, it was Abraham's attention. Number seven, Isaac was Abraham's property. Abraham's property. Number five, number eight, Isaac was Abraham's love. He was Abraham's love, 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 love. Do you know, do you know how, do you know how, how grannies love their children. You know how grannies love their children? They are grandchildren, rather. They are grandchildren. When a mother or a father is old, the love they have for their children, mostly their grandchildren, is something else. So Abraham, being old, loved that boy so much that everything he was doing, his heart was swallowed up in his love for Isaac. Number eight now. Number nine. Isaac was the reason for Abraham's living. Abraham was able to live long because he got a son. In fact, at the point, before God gave him a son, God, Abraham said to God, he said, Lord, what will you give me, seeing that I am about to die empty? In other words, he thought he was coming to the end of his life. But when God gave him Isaac, his life was prolonged. Isaac. Isaac was Abraham's future. Isaac was Abraham's future. So when God said, give me Abraham, these are the things God was asking for. My, his future. Abraham's future was Isaac. That's number what? Number what now? Number 10. I'm giving number 11. Isaac was, Isaac was Abraham's everything. I don't know what, but Isaac was Abraham's what? Everything. So when God said, give me Isaac, he was asking for everything. Some people say, Lord, take my life, leave my money. Lord, take my body, leave my pocket. Lord, take my pocket, leave my life. No, God wants everything. 
from you. He wants everything from you. So God, that, okay, now I've given you this. Let me give you about five things. Five things God saw in Abraham that moved him. Number one, Abraham did not blink an eye. Number two, Abraham did not hesitate. Number three, Abraham did not ask too much questions. Number four, Abraham was already on his way. Number six, Abraham did not consult with his wife. Number seven, Abraham meant business. Number seven, Abraham had faith that God was going to raise his son. Number five, no, no, I don't know. Number eight or number nine, Abraham was too much into God. God saw the kind of love that Abraham had for him that God was moved. Some of you you, 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 you call yourself a believer, but you still have everything to yourself. You still have your time, your energy, your money, your everything. You don't share anything with God. And tomorrow you say, Lord, you know what? If some of you made covenant with God, there are covenants you made with God before he blessed you. Now he has blessed you and you feel like you, you are too smart for God. God is waiting for you at the junction. He's waiting for you. When he meets you there, you will need him again. And God will remind you of the covenant you made with him before he blessed you the first time. Ladies and gentlemen, that is why when you make covenant with God, write it down. So that when he answers your prayer, you can do what some of you are owing God. Most of you are owing God. There are covenants, promises, and pledges you made to God before he answered your prayer. Since he answered your prayer, you become a runaway soldier. You have disappeared. You don't even want to hear him anymore. But Abraham was a man. Listen, Abraham, can I tell you something? Abraham was not a, was not a holy man. That guy was not a holy man. Eh? You know why the Bible calls him righteous? The Bible says he believed God and it was what counted to him for what? Righteousness. Not because he did righteous things. He was not a holy man. A man who called his wife my sister. Is that guy not a suspect? A guy who slept with his maid, his maid impregnated, is that guy not a suspect? Is he not a bad boy? Eh? Is he not a bad boy? He's a bad boy. Praise God. Abraham did a lot of crazy things, but you know why? His faith, the way he believed God. God said, for this faith you have for me, he counted it to him for righteousness. The covenant you made with God. Have you forgotten what you told God? Have you forgotten the promises you gave God? Have you forgotten what you believe? Have you forgotten? You know, when you need things from God, you are so desperate. Desperately desperate. But when God answers you, you forget. That's why the Bible says, be not forgetful. Be not what? Forgetful. So, God saw. That Abraham was able to do what he promised. Okay, now I'm about to finish. When God told
told Abraham to go sacrifice his son Isaac. Abraham did not blink an eye. Abraham did not hesitate. Abraham did not discuss it. Abraham did not. He just believed that, you know what, if God wants my son, who am I to withhold what God gave me back to him? And he went and while they were going, watch this, while they were going up the mountain, listen to this, listen to this, while they were going, oh Jesus, watch me, watch this, watch this. While they were going up the mountain, when Isaac said, Father, we have everything. Where's the lamb for the lamb for the lamb for the lamb for sacrifice or whatever? He said, "The Lord shall provide." When they got to the to the to the foot of the mountain, Abraham said to his son, to his servant, "Stay here because I am my son. We need to go yonder." So they climbed up. When they got there, now I saw another thing. At this point, Abraham was over 120 years old or thereabout. He was very old. Abraham could not run. Abraham was losing strength. Abraham was so Abraham did not really have energy. But Isaac, his son, was already a teenager. A guy that would say, you mean you want to kill me? Who do you think you are? He would have run away from his father. He would have told his father, you go to hell. How dare you try to kill me? Because at that point, he was stronger than his father. But the Bible says that Isaac accepted to be killed by God. He's just like the daughter, the daughter of her, the daughter of Jephthah. Jephthah said, if I go out and come back, whoever I meet first in my house, I will sacrifice that person unto the Lord. When Jephthah came back, the first person that came to greet Jephthah was his only daughter, only daughter. And Jephthah cried, my daughter, you have killed me. I thought it's a goat that will come to greet me. I thought it's my dog that will come to greet me. It is my daughter that came to greet me. And I made a covenant with God. You know what his daughter said? His daughter said, my father, do to me what you have promised the Lord. Let, let me break the covenant that you have. Do to me what you have promised. She was willing. The first time I read that scripture and I heard from people, you know what people said? They said, Jephthah sacrificed her daughter to the Lord. No, that's wrong. He did sacrifice the woman. He did sacrifice the woman. What he did, the covenant that he did, what he did to the woman was she would never get married until she dies. She was, she became a devotee, a sacrifice to the Lord. She was in the house of the Lord serving God. She was a sacrificial lamb to the Lord. She never got married. She said to the, to the father, let me go to the mountain and just weep and mourn with my friends for the last time before I come so that you can do to me what you have promised the Lord. And the lady came and from that day, she remained single until she died. Isaac said, Papa, what? Kill me. If you want to kill me, if you told God you kill me, kill me. Now, do you know why God blessed Isaac so much? Because Isaac was a dead man. Wait for my book, Dead Man Wanted. Isaac, Isaac was a dead man. He was a dead man. No wonder, not even the Philistines could stop him. They dug a well, they blocked it. Dug another one, they, he kept digging. Isaac was so blessed. He sowed in the land and reaped the same year. Ladies and gentlemen, when Abraham, Abraham truly killed Isaac. Because Isaac, according to Abraham, Isaac was dead. From that day, Isaac was no more an idol to Abraham. Because according to Abraham, Isaac was dead. Okay, I want to demonstrate something. This is what happened. They were going up the mountain. So he told the servants to wait that they were going. So they climbed up. They went there. And on the mountain, 
he tied the boy and put the boy on the water and took a knife. He wanted to slit the throat. As he was about to do that, he heard the voice of an angel crying, Abraham, watch me. The voice said, now I know that you fear me. was like, Lord, so you mean all these years you told me to leave my father's house, I left. You told me to do this, I did. Everything you told me, so this one, God said, now I know because this one has blood in it. Not just blood, your blood. So you mean you could kill your son for me? God said, oh, because of that, I will kill my son one day. Abraham taught God a lesson that God will never forget. See, God said you must not swear. Eh? Have you read that? He said you must not do a swear. But God swore that day. He said, I swear by my name. An angel came and tapped God. said, Papa, you are God. Don't swear. He said, no, leave me alone. Abraham has done something that nobody has done. I have not even done this one before. Leave me alone. I swear that in blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. Your seed shall be greater than all the seed of the earth. Whosoever curses you shall be cursed. Whosoever blesses you shall be blessed. I'm telling you, Abraham provoked a dimension. A back to sender dimension. The moment you try to sangomarize Abraham, Abraham does not have to pray back to sender. Automatically it goes back to you. Well, let me show you what, what I wanted to show you. See, Abraham went up the mountain and when God stopped him, God said to him, look behind you. He said what? Look behind you. There is a ram for sacrifice. The word behind means he passed it. There are some things your eyes can never see until you have a sacrifice for God. He passed it, couldn't see it. But when he passed, the Lord said, turn back and you will see there is something for you. For every one of you that has gone beyond the call of duty to serve God and to honor God. Those of you that have gone out of your skin to make sure God is happy. You have gone beyond your pocket. You have gone beyond description, beyond definition to make sure that God is happy. God is about to tell you to look back. He's about to tell you to look back. The opportunities you missed, you are about to go back and grab them. The blessings that you missed, you are about to go back and grab them. The things that are behind you, God is about to give them back to you. For he says, I will give you the letter and the former rain in one season. When you serve God, you enter the realm of recuperation. You enter the realm of restoration. You enter the realm of revival. You enter the realm of taking back whatever was taken from you. Do you know there are some of you here? You don't have any spiritual investment. You only have physical investment. Spiritually, you have nothing. Since you became born again, we can count how much offering you have given to God. Ten, ten, run, ten, ten, run, ten, ten, run, ten, ten, run, ten. When you go to heaven, it's ten, ten, run, you'll be seen. No investment. You, you have never done one thing that moved you for God. It's all about you, yourself, and you. you. You have never gone out of your way. Everything you do is all about yourself. It's all about your family. It's all about you. Just to make yourself happy. You have never gone beyond the call of duty to make sure that God is happy. You have no spiritual investment. Your spiritual bank account is dry. Dry. 
I'm telling you, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, lay up your treasure in heaven where neither moot nor thieves can break in. Lay up your treasure. There is a bank in heaven where you can put your money and God will always pay you back in, what do you call it? In, it will always give you interest. You put your money in the bank of heaven, you get interest. Let me ask you a question. What? Can I ask you, let me ask you a very honest question. Since you became born again, what is one craziest thing that you can say you have done for God? What? I mean craziest thing that you can tell that I've done this one for God before. I've gone, I've picked myself out of a sick bed to come and serve God. Have you done that before? You have small headache. Hey, I have headache. I cannot. I cannot lead prayer. I have headache. I have flu. I cannot. There are people who come here. They carry their sick body. Say, if God created this body, no matter how default, how sick it is, I will come and I will do. Am I talking to somebody here? People have so many excuses why they cannot serve God. Why? How dare you have excuses why you cannot serve God? How dare you have excuses? God that gave you money. God that gave you life. God that gave you energy. How come you have reasons why you cannot serve God? Carry your sick body. Carry your sick body. Carry your broke pocket. Come and serve God. Oh. I don't have money. So I cannot, I cannot pray. I cannot. I cannot fast. I cannot lead praise and worship because I am broke. I'm, I'm very... Eh? Okay. Not somebody like Abraham. When you're saying Abraham's blessings, also sing Abraham's testing are mine. You must also sing, oh. Because the Bible says, if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. Some people want to reign with Christ without suffering with Christ. Before you can get a man's anointing, you must know and go through what the man has gone through. Elijah said to Elijah, if you see, if you suffer, if you hear me as I hear me, if they beat you as they beat me, if they clap you as they clap, if they mock you, criticize you, make a mockery of you, the way, then what I have can enter you. If you see what I see, if you suffer what I suffer, then you can enjoy what I enjoy. Carry, carry your sick body. Let me tell you, eh? God, see, let me tell you. It is easy to serve God when it's convenient. That is not sacrifice. The Bible says, bring in my sons and daughters, those that have made covenant with me by sacrifice. I'm telling you, when everything is okay, when you have your car, your petrol, your car full of petrol, you can easily drive to church. You know, when you have enough food in the fridge, you ate very well and everybody's up in the house. You can easily come to God, but God tests you when there is nothing to eat. When you are even thinking if your petrol can get you to church and yet you wake up early in the morning, you say, I'm going there anyway. If I start, let me get stuck on the way. But I'm not going to sit at home complaining. I'm going to carry my body to church. If they stuck on the road, I walk to church. I take a taxi to church. Let me tell you, eh? people don't know. How, people, people don't really know what serving God is. So. You think serving God is like going to work in the morning, coming back in the afternoon. No, serving God is 24 hours duty. No Christmas, no holiday. holiday. Give the devil one holiday. He'll finish you. No holiday. Okay, let's say God say, I'm going on holiday. Let me go on break today. You know what will happen to you? Before God blinks his eyes, the earth is finished. 
If God closes, blink. God doesn't blink. That's why the Bible says, he that keepeth his way, another does what? Slumbers, no sleep. God cannot, if he blinks, we are finished. But we have to, you check in. How do I, you know, you choose, you, you decide when and when not to serve God. Uh, you are joking now. You are joking. You have not started. You have not started. And you pray, Lord, use me. God say you are joking. You want me to use you? Carry your broken head. Be bleeding and be praying. Be leading and be serving. You are bleeding, but I'm, I'm telling you. The last time you tried to serve God, they mocked you. The next day, you are appearing as if nobody mocked you yesterday. You are doing it as if nothing happened. Well, too conscious of people, too conscious of environment, too conscious that now your overconsciousness is affecting your work and relationship with God. There are five things God wants from you. Then I finish. Five things. Number one, God wants your life. Your life. Somebody say my life. When I say your life, I don't mean the breath, the breath in your nostrils. I mean everything that makes you you. God wants your life. Number two, God wants your time. Some of you don't have time for God. You are too busy for God. God wants your time. God wants your time. Someone, when I was asked to, to do something for God, and the eye was swollen. He wore glass, you know, these black ones. What do you call them? Sunglasses. And was, we have to make a plan. If it's God, we make plan. You know, like you, if you have any issue or anything, you make plan, ne? For God, we don't make plan. You just want to, God is, God is secondary. And some of you, God is looking at you, God is just laughing. God is just, he's just laughing, just saying, you are not serious yet. We make plan for God. We improvise. When you go to church, you, when you go to work, you want to rush early, get there. But when you come to God, to church, you just take your time. Anytime you wake up, anytime you come, who cares? You just walk in because nobody will reprimand you and nobody will take note. Heaven is recording you. Do you know that there are times you pray, after praying, God says, okay, we're about to answer you. Then God goes to your book and he opens your book and he checks, he checks, checks, checks. The only thing that may be the reason for God to answer you may be that you are always available in church on time. You don't know. The Bible says everything you do, you shall give account. In other words, God takes account of everything that you do. It may be just your time. It may be that very day where you were ushering and somebody did something to you. You didn't get angry and went and sat down. You continued ushering. It may be that day where somebody treated you so bad, you were so angry, yet you said, for the sake of God, I will do this thing. For the sake of God, for the, uh, for the sake, God will look at, he will look at the file and say, okay, some people that are blessed, in fact, the richest people in the world are not prayer warriors. They are sacrificial warriors. People who sacrifice. They say, what is the need of the church? Pastor, don't pray anymore. We'll take care of it. That's why God has blessed us. He has blessed us to take care of things. There's no need for prayer. Am I talking to somebody here? No need for prayer. That's the first one. The second one, God needs your what? Your time. The third one, God needs your what? He needs your energy. 
God needs your energy. Number four, God needs your attention. Some people are not, some people are serving God, but they are so distracted. You are serving God, but your attention, your mind is not there. You are so distracted, so distracted. You are, you are, you are, you are serving God, but you notice every fly that crosses. You are too distracted. God needs your attention. You are here leading songs. Somebody praise the Lord after service. You know the you know the names of everyone who did not join. When you say stand up, you know the names of people who didn't stand up. And because of that, you are angry at them. They greeted you. Don't want to hear. Don't, don't talk to me. Don't talk. You are not standing up. You are, you, are too, you are too conscious. You are too, too give attention on things that don't matter. You are too defocused from your assignment. Let me tell you, as I'm preaching now, whether you are, if I say praise the Lord, whether you say or not, it's your business. When we come to church, we are not coming to church for any man. We are coming to church for God. Listen to me. Even if you don't like the person leading prayer, even if you don't like the person, for the fact the person is calling in Jesus' name. Say amen. What's wrong with you? Some people say, No, if it's that one leading prayer, let us say in Jesus' name. I will never say amen. You are a canal Christian, very canal. If the person, I know I had a fight with the person yesterday, but if the person says in Jesus' name, I will say amen. You know why? He's not saying in my name, he's saying in Jesus' name. Ah, you don't know what is going on in people's mind. Eh? There are people who, the moment the person stands here, they say, ah, this one, mm, this one, this one, number one. So, person says, praise the Lord. Say, praise the Lord for what? Please go and sit down there. Praise the Lord. Ah, you don't know. What goes on in the minds of people will shock you. If the person is calling the name of the Lord and the person, you had issues, but please say Amen. And sometimes, by doing that, God can even bless you. I'll give you two more points, then we pray. God needs your money. Somebody say, needs my money. You see, the amen is reducing. Wait, wait. What is, why is money, so, wait, oh, wait. <laughs> No, but uh, see, wait. <laughs> Have you observed that? I, no, this is serious. Eh? Have you observed that? Like you're here now, if you bring money from your pocket, you want to hide it. You don't want anybody to see. Have you observed that? There's just something about money. Even in the house where your children are, you even hide your money. <laughs> As if it's the stolen money. <laughs> Amen. There's something about this thing, eh? This thing. There's something about it. That is why one of the proofs that you love God is that you have lost, you have lost interests, control. You have lost, how do I say? Money has lost control over you. In my book, I said money is a good slave, but a very ugly master. Money, money can serve you, but if money starts controlling you, it's a problem. God wants your money. Have you observed that? People can give God anything, but when it comes to money, we're too sensitive. As if there's anything special about this thing. What is this? Money. Money is a well-cut paper. Printed paper. With a picture of a dead man. And the signature of an unbeliever. Money. 
money so sent. I'm telling you, money so sent. That's why. That, do you know why? Do you know why God? Do you know? Do you know why money is one of the proofs you love God? Money. Let me tell you. Because how do you make money? You sweat. And what is sweat? Blood. So money is connected to our blood. Have you observed that if you lose hundred rand, you have high blood? I know you have a, you are rich, but one one hundred rand is missing. You will turn the house upside down in search of your hundred. You know why? Money is connected to the blood. Money so sensitive. Money has caused problem for a lot of people. People, are, I'm telling you, money manage you. The day you lose you lose interest, money does not have power over you anymore. That is the day you start rising as a kingdom financier. You start rising as a kingdom, as a champion in the marketplace. God start blessing you with money. Do you know one thing I've learned about money? God taught me this. He said, if the more you give it to me, the more I will give it to you. And I'm telling you, since I started doing that, I saw that God is faithful to his word. I, I went somewhere and uh, I went somewhere and uh, I gave I gave a pastor I gave him 5,000 rand I just went to bless him after giving him 5,000 rand I said this is my seed I bless him, me I don't joke with that one. I don't joke with that that one to bless hey, I, know this, I know what it does for me I know what it does for me I gave him 5,000 rand, and he said, thank you, sir. God bless you, and all of that. The next day, I got a notification on my account. Someone sent money. Till today, she hasn't called me to tell me why she put that money in my account. I mean, a lot of money. She hasn't told me. And she's in Tanzania. She's from South Africa. She traveled to the, she has, I've been trying to call her. She hasn't called me. I'm like, why did you put this money? Then the Lord spoke to me. He said, you bless that man for no reason. So I'm blessing you for no reason. I've tried it. I've tested it. It worked. Some of you, there are things you are praying for. All you needed to do is to plant a seed and it will be done. Being too stingy will kill you. It will, it will cripple you. Mostly when it comes to God. If you're coming to church, please plan your offering. I told God that every Sunday I must give him 100, 100 rand above. I, it's a covenant I made with him. 100 rand and above. Except I don't have, but I, I will make sure I make a plan. Because before Sunday, I must make a plan. Make a covenant. If God increases your, your, your finances, give him something. Show him. See, you may squeeze it and nobody sees it, but God... The Bible says your father who sees in secret will do what will reward you openly. Make a covenant with God, mostly with your offerings. Give to God. Praise God. Give to God. When you give, you are not enriching, you are not enriching the giver. Am I talking to somebody here? When you give to somebody, you are not enriching the giver. You are enriching yourself, the giver. Am I got an amen here? Can you give to God? Can you give to God? You can say amen, no? but to do it really is a difficult task. Praise God. That's the last one I'm giving. 
when you give God your money. Not just once. Give it. Some say, but I've given God before. No, do it all the time. Keep giving. Uh, but I have not said keep giving. The Bible says so in the morning. In the evening, we told not your hand. You don't know which I will bring forth. Maybe this one or the one later. Or maybe the boat will come bring to, to pass together. Amen. So, when you go out of your way to give to God like Abraham, then you inherit Abraham's blessings. Is there someone here that is willing to go out of your way just to serve God? Let me say this. You see, there are people in church who, the way they, the way they serve God in church, people think, hey, 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 He's everywhere. She's everywhere. He wants to do everything all about. I like that people though. I like people like that though. Who are just crazy. They want to, anywhere there is a space, they want to put head. Just to make sure that there is no vacuum left. Nowhere is open. We don't feel any, any, any gap when we are serving God. You just make, you, 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 you make yourself on standby. You put yourself on standby for God. Put yourself on standby. If it's for God, I put myself on. Anytime they need me, anytime God wants me, I'm there. Unfortunately, some people say, ah, why are you everywhere? Why are you everywhere? It's your business. Some people are like Pharisees. They are not entering and they are fighting people that are entering. It's not your business. Be a sacrificial person. Be a sacrificial Christian. Sold out for God. Be a lover of God. Somebody say amen. When God finds that out about you, five things he does for you quickly. Number one, God blesses you without blinking an eye. Number two, God fights your battles. Number three, your responsibility becomes, your blessings become, or your upkeep becomes his responsibility. Number four, God will defend you in the open and in the secret. Number five, your God, you become a friend of God. The Bible says Abraham became a friend of God for doing that. Number six, God will speak on your behalf where your voice cannot enter. Number seven, God will carry you through difficult, hard issues. When matters are very hard, God will carry you. Number seven, God will be your father and you will be his child. Number eight, God will be your protector and your guard. He becomes your compass. He becomes your direction. He will talk to you at all times. Number nine, God will love you head over heels. He will be head over heels in love with you. Number ten and the last, God will reprove kings for your, for your sake. He will reprove kings for your sake. You know what it means? God will go and talk. He will kill, he will beat people for you. Rise on your feet. Jesus. Say amen. Say amen now. Say amen one more time. How many of you are ready?